Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about very shallow first impressions of future Bachelorette contestants and, of course, the courtship. We have Bachelor gossip. We have reactions to Gabby and Rachel's new cast. And we have our thoughts on episode two of our favorite Regency-esque dating reality show, which forged on with a boating and picnicking date this week. So much to cover. I think we just got to dive in. We got to. Let's start with Bachelor gossip. We have an update, a little gossip update on a rumored Bachelor Nation couple in the offing, Anna Redman from Matt James's season of The Bachelor and Chris Bukowski of many seasons of Bachelor franchise shows, but originally, I believe, Emily Maynard's season of The Bachelorette have now officially hard-launched their relationship. We truly love to see it. She's been teasing this relationship, soft-launching it in various TikToks. And finally, we just got a full slideshow on both of their Instagram pages of them just being cute together at a wedding. (laughs) Uh, The one post that did disturb me a little (laughs) bit was that Anna posted just like a full video of them close up making out and I'm concerned that Chris kisses by eating women's tongues it's just a concern I have yeah they seem happy with each other she sort of offers the tongue up to him and he kind of slurps it in so maybe you know what who am I to shame what people like no to me this adds to the sort of um like 
Travis and Courtney or like Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox yes. vibe that they have. Like she's the pretty princess and he's the guy who like got drunk and fell into a campfire on Bachelor in Paradise, kind of more of dirtbag type. You know, it is that totally the hardened <laughs> dirtbag meets ingenue uh, relationship of the bachelor world. I think that kissing tongues in public is a big part of that genre of relationship. And I, that to me says that they're embracing that, you know? Well, we do have to just appreciate some really solid branding attempts. So I guess, you know what? Congratulations to them. Congratulations to their tongues. And <laughs> we can't wait to see more from both of them. Speaking of bachelor couples, Abigail Herringer, also from Matt James's season, is apparently officially moved in on the West Coast with her boyfriend from the latest season of Paradise, Noah Erb. Aw, I love their relationship. Me too. I mean, look, it's always a bummer to lose a New York-based girly from Bachelor Nation, but I really support them being closer together. They seem very sweet and very committed. And Noah's a traveling nurse, so I assume that he got a contract in California. They appear to be living together in Huntington Beach currently. And Abigail's family is also on the West Coast. So yeah, it makes sense. She's from Oregon. And I I love what they have kind of built for it for themselves since coming off the show. Like I think sometimes breaking up on Paradise or even as we've seen with some recent Bachelor uh, proper couples breaking up on The Bachelor might sort of be a recipe for having a stronger relationship in the real world. You can kind yes. of come back together more intentionally out of the pressure cooker of the show. Your motives make more sense to you. There's more space to understand what you're getting into and what is really driving you into the relationship. And they just always seem so so light and happy together. Um, I, I, I always just feel a hint of joy when I see them on my Instagram feed. I know. We love some warm and fuzzies. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me happy. Um, And speaking of bachelor couples that are moving on in their relationship, (laughs) this is a big one. I I, I actually don't follow JoJo. So I sometimes, I don't know, I'm, I'm hit or miss with who I follow from past older seasons. JoJo Fletcher and Jordan Rogers have been engaged and then like re engaged for such a long time. And it seems like they're actually getting married soon. I think it was put on hold because of the pandemic. And this week, JoJo had her bachelorette party. It looked really fun. We got some great videos courtesy of her and of Becca Tilly, who is her noted BFF. They met on Ben Higgins' season of The Bachelor and have been very close ever since. Um, And it just looked like a great time. They were out here like getting cute little custom hats made. And then... (laughs) I'm sorry. I actually did not see these stories. So you're the expert here. When you say custom hats, was it like... Was it like baseball caps or like trucker hats? Or were they getting little custom designed cowboy hats? Yeah. 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 (laughs) More like that. More like that. cowboy hat. I don't even know what... just like yeah, sun hats? I don't. I don't even know what various. Yeah, somewhere in between, like a cowboy hat and a sun hat. <laughs> I don't know. It, okay, it looked cute. I, I admit I didn't do too deep a dive, but I did see that this was something Becca had set up for the whole crew. They had some like local designer 
there and yeah. sort of like stitching oh. custom things into into a hat. It was cute. It was cute. I love a little souvenir. I love to know what the the current trend is because I feel like when I was getting married, it was like the flower crown bar, which I didn't have, but I was a big fan of that trend. And, you know, this seems like the new bachelorette headwear trend. I don't love hats quite as much as as, as flower crowns, but they are more practical. So... They are more practical, and look, if you are a Bachelor alum with more than a million followers, you know that you are just getting all of these sponsored opportunities for your Bachelorette party, so, like, you gotta you gotta put that to good use, but they looked very cute. If I were to get a message that was like, hey, I hand-stitch custom designs into sun hats, can I offer my services for your Bachelorette party, I would have been like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you would have been like, absolutely. Why not? I will take it. (laughs) At least, look, that is something you can walk away from a bachelorette weekend and actually continue to use. Not like a weird, ugly, like, novelty t-shirt or something. Yeah, that's like Bride Squad. And it's... Yeah. No one wants that. A weird color. I would, in fact, like a a great hat. Yeah. That I could wear on the beach. (laughs) Uh, But we... (laughs) We digress. I also want to call out the really, like, A-plus drag king work that occurred during this Bachelorette weekend. Becca and JoJo have have dressed in drag before and seem to be really into it. And all of the women who were at this Bachelorette weekend joined Becca and, like, surprised JoJo Aww. in drag. And it was – there are some pretty funny videos. <laughs> they all really committed Let's talk about a crossover moment, a reality dating crossover moment. Natalie Lee from season two of Love is Blind was hanging out in Chicago over the weekend with Andrew Spencer from Katie Thurston's season of The Bachelorette. I've actually seen more than one Love is Blind season two crossover hangs lately. I feel like they're really out there. Yeah, didn't Katie Thurston and John Hersey hang out with... Was it Danielle and Nick? Maybe. I see. I I should have written this. I should have I should have taken a snap when it happened. But yeah, they they posted something sort of cheeky, like it was so great running into our favorite married at first sight couple. Oh, it was Deeps. It was yeah, Deeps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? It was Deeps. And Kyle, I think. And Kyle, I think. Are they actually yeah. dating? Now this it's is a unclear. Love is Blind season two gossip. I know. Se- we're, you know what? I was thinking that we're going to have to get into some Love is Blind gossip on this pod. Let us know if you want to hear that. But that could be its own segment. They're all part of an extended dating reality show universe. Now they all like try to hang out together. They got to maximize their connections. They can maximize their ongoing relevance, as I think well, we exactly. all know. <laughs> Everyone in Bachelor World also has to be looking and being like, Love is blind. Those people got a hell of a lot more Instagram followers than, you know, the top four people from recent seasons got. Deeps has over a million. Yeah, that must be weird. Like, if you get, like, The Bachelor is, like, the crown jewel of reality dating shows. And then you get onto this show, you fight tooth and nail to make it to the top. And you look around and these random-ass people from a Netflix reality show are outdoing you on Instagram. It must be must be a better pill um but they're 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 networking their way out of it and that's that's the hustle that's what you like to see exactly (laughs) 
Should we move on to some news about the latest season of The Bachelorette? Yes, let's do it. This was a controversial piece of gossip. Reality Steve released a rumor, a spoiler he called it, that Connor B would be crashing the Gabby and Rachel season. For anyone who is unfamiliar, Connor B is the man that showed up in a cat outfit on Katie Thurston's season, and he made it fairly far on that season. Yeah, and then she told him that she had to send him home because when he kissed her, she felt nothing. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, that's about correct. And it was very traumatic. And then he went on Paradise and pursued Marissa, who ended up dropping him like a hot potato for Riley. Christian. And so Connor has had sort of a rocky ride on the franchise, not assisted by the fact that a lot of the fandom really dislikes him. I think part of it is that he has a music career that he clearly does want to succeed. And he sometimes plays music on the show. And so there's the wrong reasons or a There's also just the fact that he isn't the traditional, like, jockey hot guy who comes on the show. And so there's a lot of, like, oh, he gives me the ick. Like, he's not not cute. No one wants to see him. Of course, no one's interested in him. Like, that's a lot of it. uh, It's a little bit of an uncomfy reaction to him. Yeah. There is, I think that the fact that he doesn't send off a lot of the masculinity signals that other men on the show typically do you know he's he's not super buff he wears his shirts unbuttoned lower down like he he's interested in show tunes and playing the ukulele like i think that there is a really uncomfortable hint of like mis misogyny like in the way that he yeah is i was gonna say now that you say that he's almost treated by the some segments of the fandom the way that a woman on the show would be treated like oh he's desperate mm-hmm. for attention he's just out here trying to like get eyeballs on himself and like no one wants to give him that like he's yeah oh, yeah i think that's true there it's it's complicated yeah Um, he definitely has his fans too and sometimes sometimes i make fun of him because that's what i do and yeah sometimes he's funny but and sometimes people can be a little bit cringe and also you might still want the best for them and i think that's probably where we land on connor b but reality steve released this rumor and the response was very negative and very swift um people also pointed out that connor is supposed to be on bachelor live soon and filming has already started for the bachelorette so like there were questions about timing obviously connor got tagged a bunch when reality steve posted this and first connor commented saying news to me bud on reality steve's video And then he ended up doing an entire or actually several tweet threads because this kind of incited a round of like mass harassment against him. 
Yeah, he tweeted, Reality Steve drops a dumbass rumor that I'm going back on Bachelorette and suddenly I'm flooded with the meanest things anyone has ever said about me and a great reminder why I wouldn't go back on the show. We get it. I'm cringy and annoying and desperate for attention and I give you the ick. Thanks for reminding me. Now shut the fuck up and go do something nice for someone, you fucking jackals. So, whew. I mean, um, fair enough. It's and then at the like, so he's supposed to be going on Bachelor Live soon, which to me, I'm like, it just doesn't really add up that he would be going on the show unless they were convinced that he wasn't going to stay for more than a week or so. Like the or time if they, they wanted him to up. really crash several weeks in the way that would have to be a good Nick amount did. in. I think, yeah. Um. And he also is saying, like, I would never go back on the show, but he is going on The Bachelor Live. It's probably a little bit less intense of a fan experience than going on the nationally televised show, uh, which is fair enough. Um, But what's interesting to me is that Reality Steve is wrong about this stuff sometimes. And I don't know if he's wrong about this, but this does seem like, clear denial from Connor. And he has been added to the Cosmo roundup of potential castmates that we had been referring to in our prep. Like, I was clicking through the Cosmo slideshow, and he was there at the end. Really? And I was like, oh, is this this just based on the Reality Steve rumor, or was there another form of confirmation? I think it is, because I haven't, I have not seen any further confirmation. Connor has seemingly denied this, and Reality Steve hasn't really engaged with his denial, which I found interesting. Yeah, I feel like he gets enough stuff right that he can just afford, and like, no one else is really doing that, the kind of spoiler work that he does like receiving a ton of tips and just kind of posting the ones that he feels are accurate so it's like he's like what's the downside to me if like occasionally one of my spoilers is wrong i'll just be like whoops got that one wrong and like it's not like it's gonna really so he can just afford to ignore it i guess but i am really curious what will end up happening also because like it is early enough that if he was planning to potentially come on that this could affect his decision. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, yeah. Like, he could have been planning to go and then been like, this is bullshit, <laughs> never mind. That was my one of my thoughts, too. Like, at this point, his denial was so strong that either he was never meant to go or there, there was a rumor that they wanted to bring him back on and he'd only had some initial conversations and this sealed the fact that he actually didn't want to do it. Or he was just like, fuck this. I'm I'm over it. Yeah. Uh, which would be a completely fair decision in my... Whenever someone is like, I no longer wish to be involved in this show, it could be in the middle of filming. It could be right before they're about to be proposed to. Yeah. You're like, I'm respect like, <laughs> and I get it. I love that for you. <laughs> Go and be well. Uh, but the journey has begun. Filming for the season began Saturday night at the mansion. And apparently <laughs> filming wrapped at 7 a.m., that actually sounds early to me, you know, because often it looks like almost noon <laughs> when I see them leaving the house. It is definitely full light. Jesse Palmer posted a little video of himself, like, 
raggedly walking away <laughs> from the mansion, being like, what a night. It's 7 a.m. Uh, we did get a little glimpse of the night one dresses, which is the most important thing to me about a bachelor Same. at season. Um, and Gabby is wearing a really beautiful, like, dark, beaded, sparkly dress. I love her dress. It is gorgeous. It has these, like, some sheer paneling. Yeah, it looks a little They're clearly sheer. going for a clear contrast between the two of them, which aesthetically, I think, makes sense. I think they're going softer with Rachel and kind of more dark and striking with with Gabby. Um, but to me, yeah. of these two dresses, like, Gabby's is really, yeah. is really the standout. Rachel is wearing sort of a high-necked white or ivory sort of it appears like beaded dresses but pretty yeah, more i saw i feel like hers is like the more usual look for bachelor at night one although they've done all kinds of looks of course yeah i would agree i saw a full-length photo and you can tell that um while the neck is higher the dress does have a really dramatic and beautiful slit on one side i love that yeah, like straight up the thigh. So they both look absolutely gorgeous. But if I had to pick one, I I prefer Gabby's a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting that maybe this is just me, but my first reaction to Gabby's was like, that looks like a beautiful little like negligee, <laughs> like the best, <laughs> the best uh, fancy lingerie I could imagine, but um, in the form of a gown, apparently. And I, I would probably pick that one, too. Um, I think the lingerie look must be back, right? Because we're doing early aughts again. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't. Congrats and I also us. disturbingly noticed, and this is something that we have talked about when we um, when we recapped season one of The Bachelor, is that baggy men's suit pants appear to be back, and oh, I am upset. No. Peter Sarsgaard at the Oscars last night just fully unhemmed, just just like gathered suit pants at the ankle and i was upset yeah well as peter sarsgaard goes so goes the world so we all better watch (laughs) out and i think we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our first reactions to the cast photos for the potential suitors can you keep up i like love it okay So you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. (laughs) So important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. 
Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back, and it's time to go over some very surface-level, completely uninformed, shallow reactions <laughs> to the cast photos of the potential Bachelorette cast. And I love— 35. <laughs> I love your, like, our commentary has no value, and here it is. Let's I go. I mean, <laughs> I just want to be honest we're about what we're delivering here. <laughs> we're hedging. These are just— our personal impressions based on the one photo of each of these 35 guys, some of which definitely (laughs) 
were already cut before filming began. Yeah, there are some that I really don't want to be cut. Not because I think they're hot, but just because I kind of want to see how it all plays out. But we'll get to that. (laughs) We'll see who's in the final pool when we get our cast bios. Um, We did get 35 photos and first names and last initials for everyone. And a couple top line stats via at Bachelor Data, the incredible data tracking Instagram account. The potential cast are predominantly from the South and West. It looks like more so than previous seasons. And the average age is 28.1, which obviously that won't be the same as the final cast because some people will be dropped from that group. And so the number will shift, but that number would make them the third youngest cast overall. There are eight 25-year-olds. That is the most common age. Wild. Wild. The youngest person to ever win The Bachelorette was 25. There has been one 25-year-old who has won. And ladies and gentlemen, it was, of course, Jed Wyatt. And we all know how well that went. (laughs) That went great. There have been a lot of 27-year-olds, some 26-year-olds, but like 25-year-olds always are really heavily cast, and it's not a common age for a winner i feel like it's more it's more for the drama oh yeah 25 year olds choose chaos (laughs) i 28 year olds get engaged exactly when i was 25 (laughs) i was picking a fight at my birthday dinner with my boyfriend and crying into my ceviche and when i was 28 i was engaged like that is (laughs) that is how it works for me and that's how it works for everyone So let's talk about our standout impressions. We're not going to go through all of them because we don't know anything about them. But (laughs) And don't worry, we will be closer to the launch of The Bachelorette season. We will be doing our actual cast bios deep dive episode where we go cast member by cast member. This is just some top line thoughts. And we have to start with something that's very important to me. A big moment in my life. The first time that I have ever looked through a list of the upcoming Bachelor cast or Bachelorette cast and been like, wait, I know that person. Huge for you. And incredible. And like, it might never happen again. Like, this was almost my last chance. I'm 33 now. Like, this is, I'm at the upper age range of knowing someone who went to college with me beyond the show. Exactly, of men. So there's a gentleman on the list called Roby S. And he and I did go to college together. We were in the same year. And as I think people who've been paying attention to the cast quickly learned, he is the brother of Lily Sobieski. <laughs> I mean, that is my favorite fun fact. Because Lily Sobieski was just like a, a really important figure in, I think, the young adulthood of 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 women born in the <laughs> late 80s and early 90s. And I had missed her work. Like I wasn't really familiar with her, but when I got to to college he, it was known. Like it was brooded about. Like Roby's sister is Lily Sobieski. And so that was kind of how I learned about the Sobieski family. Um <laughs> 
he pro- he definitely would not know who I am. I was not like known about campus or cool at all in college, but like it, it was a small enough um a small enough student population that I that I knew who he was. And so pretty exciting for me to recognize a face. Also important to note that he is now an actor and magician. That's a winning combo. Also, for anyone who is perhaps younger and unfamiliar with Lily Sobieski's work, she was uh, a main character in the fantastic Drew Barrymore rom-com, Never Been Kissed. She was also in Here on Earth, Deep Impact, Eyes Wide Shut. She has a, a pretty good filmography. I have since seen never been kissed since I arrived at college. And so now <laughs> I do. I am familiar with Lily and her gifts. But um, but yeah, <laughs> Roby uh, has worked with David Blaine. So I'm really eager for him to be on this season so that we can see some close-up magic. I mean, how long has it been since we've seen close-up okay. magic on The Bachelor? We absolutely know <laughs> that his entrance will include some sort of magic trick. And... I want that for us. Me too. I actually saw a few tweets the other day, sort of in the vein of the vibe shift, being like, guys, I think that one of the things that's coming back now is close-up magic. Like, I was at a bar the other day, and some guy was doing close-up magic to impress a girl. Like, I think that's a thing again. And if that's true, then it should be reflected on the premiere, or at least preeminent, dating reality show of our time. I agree. I have a good friend who is a member of the Magic Castle, and I feel like now I need to ask him if he has run in the same circles as Roby S. Yeah, I I have questions. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about Quincy. Once again, I have many thoughts on Quincy. Oh, my goodness. Quincy has style. (laughs) This man showed up for his you know, first look photo. He's wearing like a double-breasted plaid jacket over a cream turtleneck. And in his photo, he's staring at the camera and adjusting his lapels. And listen, I'm I'm not new to social media. I looked at this photo and I texted, Quincy looks like he runs an entrepreneurship self-help empire. And, and he what does. What do you know? He literally does. Points on the board. Incredible work. Incredible work, Claire. <sighs> Feels good. Season hasn't even begun and I'm already winning. And I was just glad that he seems much more appealing than Carl. Like, if we are going to continue <laughs> to get motivational speakers up in here, like, <laughs> at least give us some hot ones. What even? I can't quite. I didn't have time to watch this, but there is a link on his business Instagram, which Reality Steve uh, posted. There's a link to a YouTube page where you can, quote, start your journey. Um, and there are just two videos there. And I was sort of like, wait, what is this bit? Like, is it? It's a short journey. It's a very short journey. And I'm not quite sure what I'm going to learn there. But the business Instagram's bio does say, our business shows individuals how to invest, how to trade, build brands and wealth lightning bolt. So if I watch these two videos, I will know how to invest, trade, build brands, and wealth. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do that. Let's talk about James C., who is just giving us some really strong head of his on-campus Young Republicans Club energy. Like, this man (laughs) 
has the slicked back hair. He is wearing a crisp blue pinstriped button down and a navy jacket atop it. And he is really embracing the bushy eyebrows trend. And I do support that. I Like, he's cute. To me, I look at this guy, and my first thought is, cute version of Ben Shapiro. Like, Ben Shapiro, if he were, if he were cute. I would say that's not a ringing endorsement, for me, <laughs> at least. Well, and um, then I'm like, am I, am I being unfair? Because I see this resemblance to Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Maybe he's really nice. Maybe he hates capitalism. Maybe he, you know donates to bail funds like i don't know look claire this is why we said it's a shallow first impression <laughs> that's true i just want to apologize none of this has been verified in advance james if you're nice i am sorry for comparing you to ben shapiro but that is the look you're giving me and i have to be honest <laughs> let's move on to kirk b who just like really looks like jason mesnick yeah like a like a strong-browed Jason Mesnick or something. And a Christian, a Christian Jason okay. Mesnick, because he's just wearing a large cross <laughs> necklace. They were like, we love Jason Mesnick, but what if we had a Christian one? Yeah, what if he was less Jewish? That actually is kind of the show's philosophy. It's like, everyone loves Jason Mesnick, the nicest bachelor. What if you made him more Christian? Then he would be even better. Yeah, that you know what? The, the show did its best to try to sort of paper over his Judaism uh, <laughs> when his season was airing. So they were like, you know, it would be even better. No Judaism. Yeah. No. And in fact, crosses, large crosses. That would be ideal. Ryan M. 35 could not look more to me like a like a former Marine who now works as a personal trainer to the stars. He's got his the neck. neck is his very neck, large. His neck could it's... lift, uh, could lift a pickup truck by itself. Yeah. It's a little, t- it's, it, it's like, it's like if Clayton and Jesse Palmer had a middle brother. Who was in, who was right in the military. Right. It's like, it's like we had a middle brother and he didn't play football. He went to war. Yeah. But, wow. That's really accurate. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it, that can be tough. <laughs> Ethan K. Cute. He's very cute. Cute. And one of our uh, former bachelors from Bachelor Live. I like that they're now just really using Bachelor Live as like a testing ground. Yeah. It, which kind of works against against the whole notion that The Bachelor is going to find you, your fiance. It's like go to Bachelor Live where someone definitely won't find their fiance, but they will be doing sort of a test run for potentially (laughs) dating the bachelorette in a year or two. Uh, A previous contestant that you may remember who was in this category, it was Ryan on Michelle's season. And that did not end well, like finding out that he was on bachelor. Has hopefully learned and will not be bringing a dossier. Well, you never know because you would think that these guys would come in super prepared, but they often don't like, remember how we learned that Clayton had never watched a season of the show before, you know, before literally being the bachelor. Yeah. That's that's a fair point. Ryan had been on bachelor bachelor live, but he hadn't like internalized anything that he'd learned about the show. He had just written it down into a binder, which he must've known was not the wisest way (laughs) to approach it. So do these people do, do men really learn anything when they prepare to go on the show? Evidence is mixed, but he's cute. And I'm hoping 
that he puts in a he better fares showing. better than Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and he's from New York, or he lives in New York. I do like that. We always love a New Yorker for, for selfish reasons. Exactly. This season, of course, we could not get through this segment without discussing the fact that this season boasts a set of twins. Oh, this show loves twins, um, and I'm happy just for gender equality purposes that we are getting a male set of twins. Yeah, I hope that they also are treated as a set and that the lead has to break up with one of them at their family home in their childhood bedroom and then takes the other twin on a global vacation. That would be fair. <laughs> fair is fair. Uh yeah, the 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 idea of twins, it's like, of course they would cast twins for their two bachelorette season. Like, they're just like, look, there are two of them, one for each. <laughs> they are 24 years old, so I'm gonna say they are more, again, chaos picks than potential yeah. fiancé picks, but you never know. Yeah, that is one of the kind the the most off-putting things about the the way that twins are are cast and presented on the show is like well you're not gonna marry two people but they're like kind of the same person isn't that crazy it's, <laughs> it's hilarious and it's like okay so they're not really in contention like they're a conversation piece um but also they're rumored to be club promoters which they, is yes. A bit of a red flag. Always a red flag. Yeah. I'm just going to say a red flag. We discussed this when we recapped F Boy Island. Like, universal red flag is club. They're 24 and they're having a lot of fun. Maybe they're very nice. They're 24. They're having a lot of fun. Maybe one of them really wants to shape his lifestyle around being married to Gabby, but I'm not optimistic. Uh, (laughs) I guess he could be a club promoter in Europe if he wanted to marry Rachel and then just follow her from European city to European city promoting clubs. Um, I guess I guess we'll see. My feeling was just like, wow, these twins are truly emblematic of our switchover within Bachelor Nation from the Instagram generation to the TikTok generation. Like these boys were just built for TikTok. And we are also reaching the point where the youngest people cast on this show like we're getting close to the time when I can be like ah if I was a teen mom this boy could be my son uh, and that that I, gap is getting more obvious we're not to quite me. there yet you would have not been younger quite, than a teen I would have been 11 I would have been oh 11 but I'm just saying it's 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 approaching. We're 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 getting older, and yet the Bachelorette contestants say the same age. It's just that's how it works. Um, yeah, it's true. There's something about like the the handsome, charming twins that is just made for a, a TikTok account, and I do think they're pretty cute. So maybe maybe at least one of them will stick around for a little bit. They're gonna kill on Paradise. Oh, definitely. Um, let's talk about Colin F. Colin F.'s icon is Bradley Cooper. I think that is evident (laughs) in his look. He just really gives me the energy of, like, a villain in an 80s movie about the excesses of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the suit. He's got the stubble. He's got the center-parted hair. And he does have Bradley Cooper's mouth, which, to me, (laughs) is a very... 
notable characteristic. Um, Bradley Cooper's mouth is like the first thing that I ever notice about Bradley Cooper. It's so specific to him. The little the little shape of it and little teeth. I sound like I sound in, I sound like a, a weirdo, but like you're like I am a Bradley Cooper anthropologist. He just has like a little like a little mouth. Um, and, and to me, what I see is a man who's like I sort of look like Bradley Cooper, and I'm gonna lean into it. That's gonna be my you have to respect. I'm Bradley it. Cooper in in a period piece <laughs> set on '80s <laughs> Wall Street. Uh, <laughs> Hayden M. Real grocery store Joe energy. He just, he really, we had the Jason Mesnick and now we have the Joe Amabley. Always just recycling types of guys. I admit he, I find him cute. Oh, he's super cute. I also think grocery I store Joe find is Joe cute. very cute. Yeah. And, so there we go. But they're, they're different. You know, grocery store Joe is from Chicago and he worked in a grocery store. And Hayden, his pick is in front of a sort of woody area with like a river or a lake in the background and it like it just sort of that and like the cheery smile to me i'm seeing a tinder profile pic where he's holding a fish he just caught absolutely absolutely those are a scourge um i've experienced (laughs) a lot of them and i really feel like hayden is is going to be there for rachel I I see an affinity there for sure. I am curious to see because, you know, they both dated Clayton, but they clearly are different women. And I am excited to sort of see what their different tastes are when I have the opportunity to branch out a little bit and who's going to go for for whom. But you could definitely see Hayden punting down that swampy river, stopping at the, the kissing tree that Bachelor production definitely set up for her. And I think that brings me to the end of people that I had strong. A lot of them are very cute, but this is more the kinds of people that I had like uh, more detailed commentary about. Exactly. Not all of them good reactions, to be clear. Not all of them good, but the reactions were there. So we each picked three people that we believe we would swipe right on. For me, I got to go with Matt L., Nick G and Justin B. Yeah, I noticed that none of them are people we talked about. Like the people that we actually think are cute and would swipe on, we're like, we're not going to make fun of their picture. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, that guy looks moderately cute, but I have nothing more to say about him. Yeah, I th- I would probably swipe on Ethan though. Um, and I think Nick G was our shared interest, and yes, Michael V. I thought was very cute. Also, yeah, he was cute too. One of the guys at the end of the slideshow, um, I was really drawn to his smile and his mustache, Brandon H. And I was like, oh my God, I'm into mustaches now. Who am I? What's going on? This, this has been building. It's been to be building. Fair. I was like, oh, it's not just an <laughs> outlier like with PJ. Like, I actually like mustaches. And then I saw that he was 23. And then I was like, oh no, uh, I probably wouldn't swipe right just for that reason. But. I would support anyone swiping right on that mustache and and that smile. Very cute. That that brings us to an, a close on our first impressions on this cast. And I'm really excited to have more to work with so we can dig into the final cast guy by guy, explore their fun facts, um, explore their jobs, all these things. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a wait, I guess, because the season won't start airing until midsummer, but... 
whenever those bios come, I'm ready. Same. And we will continue to, you know, update you guys as any little fun facts trickle out in the meantime. Uh, But for now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with The Courtship, episode two. Can you keep up? I like love it. If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) Turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. And we're back. It's time to talk about the courtship. Uh... This show, this show, you know, we talked about the first episode of The Courtship last week, and I think we were pretty hard on it. Uh, It's a very weird show, a lot going on. Uh, But I think it's fair to say that the first episode of a reality dating show is hard to assess because it's hard to get to know anyone. There's a lot of groundwork being laid, um, the concepts being explained, the cast is being introduced, a lot of prep work. So now we're really getting into the season proper. I admit that I did enjoy episode two more than episode one because, yeah, we kind of got past some of that exposition and we are getting to know the characters a little bit more. And I think I could just 
appreciate its zaniness a little bit more. I am absolutely still struggling to tell them apart because they are still all wearing the same outfits. Oh, yeah. That's (laughs) going to go on probably until we get to, like, the final six. But that's fine. At least they seem more willing than The Bachelor to, like, make use of the Chiron. Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate that. I also appreciate and find it so hilarious that this is clearly just a Bridgerton show, but they refuse to admit it. Oh, yeah. They keep saying that it's an Austin (laughs) show. Once again, like, the show begins by being like, here we are in Jane Austen's world, Jane Austen romance, Jane Austen settings. And it's really not (laughs) much like Jane Austen (laughs) at all. Like, the, the wealth is a big thing for me. Like... It's just so opulent. They're in this massive, like, palace with these vast grounds, these vast, well-manicured grounds. And they have... You're like, this is not the Bennett's country estate. (laughs) Like, Like, I don't know what's happening here. But what I do know is that they are now, every day, getting the Daily Tea, a society paper, which tells the cast what they'll be doing that day. And I'm like, hmm, what does the daily tea sound like? Oh, Lady Whistledown? Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And it's described as being full of the news of crimes, bankruptcies, jewels, and seductions. The news (laughs) of jewels. Tell me more about that. (laughs) I want to know what that means. But there's no actual, like, gossip in this gossip rag. It's just an instruction manual. Yeah. it's Well, and it's, a, it's like an invitation. I actually thought it was interesting that they went with this. It does seem to speak to a really strong Bridgerton influence because they had formal invitations right there. Like, people were always sending, like, letters and invitations back then. This was not the era of paperless posts. They could have all gotten an engraved invitation to this boating party. No, and they wanted they got a, a gossip rag, but... The gossip rag is actually, yeah, just, like, an invitation and an itinerary. Yeah. And they receive them separately. Obviously, Ms. Remy, uh, the heroine, is with her family in the palatial estate house. The gentlemen have all settled into the sort of guest house quarters. And they each receive this invitation slash itinerary. And... Um, they, they learn that the big activity is going to be a boating party to a destination across the lake where they will be picnicking for the afternoon and giving all the gentlemen an opportunity to get to know Ms. Remy and her family better. And it also really emphasizes, again, this is a big theme of the show, that the way to a Regency woman's heart is through her family. The way that they keep, like, leaning on this is so, like, it's more about modern anxieties, I think, than the historical element. It's really, it's like that kind of nostalgia that's, that's like, oh, you know, people used to really love, care about their families and family values used to be so strong and, like, in the good and old we're days. Just, we're so disconnected from each other. What if your community could be involved in picking your partner? What if that, like matchmaking was more effective than swiping on Tinder. Like, I really think that this entire show, and we said that during episode one, is simply a reaction to how gamified and kind of disconnected dating has become. And 
it's sort of just marrying that anxiety with the fact that Bridgerton is a hit. And there's not really a lot of depth beyond those two things. And I think it's interesting that Bridgerton specifically is the reference point here because one of the kind of, and I read a, a decent amount of Regency romance, not like, I'm not like an expert, but the Bridgerton series, both televisual and textual, really emphasizes family in a similar way that like the Bridgerton family is supposed to be unusually close. They are all very family oriented. And that's actually supposed to be kind of unusual for their setting. It's like, oh, like so many of these aristocratic families, like, you know, they're so they don't spend time with their children. They don't really love their spouses, but the Bridgertons are different. You know, the Bridgertons are all so closely knit. Their family really matters to them. And it's almost like they've taken that and put it into this show. And I don't know if family values used to be that strong as much as just your family had a lot of control over you and they needed stuff out of you. Like, your family, if you're like a 17-year-old debutante, your family might need you to marry for certain reasons, and they had a lot of power to make that happen. Right. Again, this is, like, marriage was a social and economic brokerage. And so it is interesting to see that transplanted into this modern setting because the role of the family in this show is obviously not to control Ms. Remy's choices romantically for her. The family is there kind of to add color commentary, to put their stamp of approval and help maybe help her sort through in the early days when she's trying to decide who to give a date to. But, like, yeah, they're not in the driver's seat here. It's more similar, of course, to how we think of family interference now, like the way that we would actually see families involved on The Bachelor, which is, right. these are the people I'm dating. Do you like any of them? Like, your approval would mean a lot. Like, I'd love to have your insights. But fundamentally, I'm still going to pick the person that I want to make out with the most, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. Like, there's a reason that we have socially and culturally moved away from having yeah. parents to broker clear, the marriages of their children. I don't want Ms. Remy's father to be like, which of you will be able to provide her with the greatest economic security <laughs> and uh, be able to, so that I can pass my property along to you and your line of sons. Like, I don't, I don't like wish to go back to that, but it is just a funny thing when the framing is being hammered so intently. That is one of the, the fascinating things about like contemporary Regency romances though, is that they're written for modern audiences. And so they're they are about contemporary concerns and the way that you explore that through the setting can be weird and, <laughs> and confusing. And also fun. But also fun and interesting. Um, and the the added wealth is really just, like, it's more fun. Like, it's like you can read an Austin yeah, novel duh. and they're all wearing, like, cotton dresses and muslin dresses and going to country assemblies. But wouldn't you rather that they be wearing silks and meeting Viscounts? I frankly would. <laughs> exactly. And that's why Regency romance novels took the Austin starting off point and they were like, we're going to make this richer and we're going to run with that. And Ms. Remy is, <laughs> has some great outfits during this episode. Oh, yeah. she She's actually, so in the first episode, she's wearing really just one outfit for most of it. She's wearing that red sort of completely contemporary <laughs> gown that's really stunning. And she sort of toggles back and forth between things that look more recognizably Regency and things that do not in this episode. We got some some real empire waist dresses on 
all of the all three of the younger women. Yeah, this episode. the younger women. The oh, sorry, her her court I think is in more consistently in Regency garb because. I don't think they have as much control. Like, they're props. They're like, okay, I'm going to wear my costume. And I'm sure Miss Remy is like, I want to be shown to advantage in front of these men I'm courting, and I would like a defined waist. So, like, the <laughs> yeah. empire waist look, I'll do it here and there, but I'm not really looking to go around with, like, a billowing midsection. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair, in my opinion. Like, you're on TV, dating, you want to feel your most confident. So, this episode... As we mentioned, they are boating and picnicking as their as their date. And so they all gather by the lake and choose boats. And three of the gentlemen end up in a boat with no lady, with no court member to, to impress on the ride. And so they decide to take matters into their own hands, throats. This is an opportunity, they realize. <laughs> To be the Mr. Darcy of their own stories. They are going to just jump into that pond, get all nice and soaked through their white linen shirts. We know that at least one of these men has seen or heard of the 2005 version of Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like glad to see that at least one of them has been inspired by Colin Firth. (laughs) Um, and yes, also potentially the Kira Knightley 2005 film, but at least someone has, yeah. if not read Austin, watched some uh, Austin adaptations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so before they jump in, they actually decide to impress her by standing up and serenading her with Row, Row, Row Your Boat, which Just, was that the know. only song they all knew? <laughs> They were like, it is about a boat. <laughs> it is about a boat. <laughs> like, you don't have any, like, R&B jams in your catalog. Uh, Mr. Shanklin, our resident trying to be a famous singer dude, is in Ms. Remy's boat, and he cuts in to croon the last lines over our three serenaders. And You think he was going to miss an opportunity to sing on television? I don't think I've ever seen him speak. No, I have. He sings in his in the moments. He sings his thoughts. He sings his feelings, and Ms. Remy is not impressed. In her in the moment, she's Mr. Shanklin has got to go soon. It's bad. I'm reaching my limit. He sings it in this real like lots of like the vibrato and warbling, and then he's like looking around, not modestly at all, and is like, "I don't like to brag, though. I'm just you know this is this is the only time I hear him speak," and. Ms. Remy is like, I really just, like, don't need someone to sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat to me in, like, a sexual way. Like, that's just not what I'm looking for. <laughs> I think produce, I think produ- production and intervention is a factor in Mr. Shanklin still being here because that seems to be what he does with everything. And if she doesn't want something sung to her in a sexual way, I don't know what she's seeing in their connection. <laughs> no, producers were just like, look, we don't have a lot to work with, and so we at least need some musical breaks. Yeah. Uh, we don't, though, is the thing. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we don't. I think they think they do. Uh, but Ms. Remy is into the, the jump into the pond. She says it's, quote, kind of romantic. It's the kind of thing you'd see in a rom-com. 
It, I mean, this whole sure. this whole thing is just like romance cosplay. Like in a rom com, he would be jumping in for a reason. It wouldn't just be like, <laughs> I think I'm going to jump in now to impress you. It wouldn't be like to save her dog or. I think they they say we jumped in in your honor, and <laughs> Ms. Remy's sister is appropriately like, what? What? I think like five times she just keeps repeating. It. They jumped it in your honor. In your honor. It. In your honor? She's so confused. Yeah. This is what the court is here is to, like, bring you down to earth. Because you're like, oh, my God, these guys all just jumped into the water in my honor. This is so romantic. And then your sister's there to be like, uh, I don't know about that. Like, that's nothing. That's not a thing. <laughs> uh, and after they all arrive and those three gentlemen who, again, I don't know who they were because they are all wearing the same billowy white shirts. They all uh, dry off as best they can, and all of the men take turns trying to impress Ms. Remy and her family and friends during a lemonade and champagne-fueled picnic lunch on the grass. (laughs) The gentlemen all just, like, immediately strip down to their shirt sleeves, which I don't want to be like, that wouldn't have been proper, but, like, I'm sorry, are you with your valet? Like, are you in your private chambers? <laughs> keep it keep it professional, guys. <laughs> Those cravats are there for modesty. They're not concerned with modesty. They're out here going into Ms. Remy's bedchambers on private dates oh. unchaperoned later. Yeah. Well, again, you know, this is a this is truly a modern story, and we have to embrace that. <laughs> this is also when we get the first hint that Mr. Safa. Not here for the right reasons. He is trying to offer a pink blanket to Ms. Remy's BFF, Tessa. Tessa, I will say, does not seem flattered, but Mr. Safa is able to convince himself of the flattery enough to just really paper over that. It's such an interesting insight into the psychology and, and... modus operandi of like a really cocky guy who thinks that he is god's gift like she's literally like wrinkling up her nose at him and being like no why what leave me alone and he's like and then i got this blanket for you if you want it (laughs) cut to an in the moment where he's like i am six four and a quarter inch in in shoes yeah what woman would pass this up? Depending on the Just heel height me. of the shoe, I'm like up to six, four and a half. So, <laughs> uh, and I would say there is one really standout conversation for Ms. Remy that really struck me, which is with Mr. King, who tells her that he is Dominican and she says, oh, my my father is Haitian. So we both have this, you know, Caribbean heritage. They bond over sort of similar foods that they both love. And and then he tells her that recently both his mother and his brother passed away within like a month. It's really, really sad. Um, and uh, the way that she responds to this is just so different from anything I've seen a bachelor do in quite some time. She immediately is just, like, really there with him. She's she's weeping and also telling him, you know, you're, 
I want to be here to listen and share in your strength. It's so clear how strong you are. And it, it really is so telling just to see someone who is emotionally intelligent and adept enough to just Im- immediately in that moment tune in to what the other person is saying and respond in a way that you can tell is extremely genuine. Like she doesn't need to prep for these conversations. And I do think there is, you do see the way that women are in general just simply socialized to be more in tune with the people around them and to do that kind of emotional labor. And I mean that like kind of in in a positive way, in a way that like everyone should be able to kind of switch gears and like tune in to what someone's saying. Yeah, and it's clear that he's really touched by it. Um, yeah. What he says in response is like a little bit funny, but I think it's very sweet and telling also. He says, the fact that you're crying is awesome. And just as a sentence, that's a <laughs> remarkably <laughs> funny sentence. But he is really touched that she is touched. And he says, like, no one has ever done that. And... You know, he has taught he talks in this conversation about how he comes from a, a background that was marked by like, poverty and struggle and how he ha- always was, you know, raised to be strong. Um, but to go through something so traumatic and painful as losing two such close family members in a short amount of time, you know, at, at still a relatively young age, you know, these guys are not like in their 60s, like to lose your mother and brother. That's um, a lot. That's a lot. And and. T- to go through that without it seems like people around you reacting with the level of emotion that is required in that moment must be really hard like for people that you around you to not be really struck and empathetic for the trauma that you're going through um that made me really sad and i was glad that that he was able to feel that from this woman that he has had like two conversations with who was was able to to meet him on the right level for that conversation. Me too. I completely agree. Ms. Remy is just a lovely lead and she has proven herself able to kind of carry carry this show. And she embraces him and meanwhile Mr. Hunter has been romancing her parents and impressing them with with his having traveled the world on a boat and just being this independent guy who wants marriage. And so he is chosen by the court for this episode's one-on-one date. He is dressed in a reddish-brown coat and excited to date a woman, quote, old-fashioned style. Old-fashioned style. Yes. In the old-fashioned manner where you put on Regency costumes and walk through a house, which is what their date is. And sit on opposite ends of a very long table. It's not even that long. It's, like, not that long (laughs) of a table. A moderately long (laughs) dining table. It's like a nine-seat table or something. And (laughs) Ms. Remy... I think this is the first dress that, to me, just as an aficionado, aficionado solely just of Austin movies, looked like a period-appropriate dress. You know, it had the cap sleeves. It had the empire waist. Uh, yes. It was in a sort of white with, or pale color with, like, floral embroidery. She looked 
beautiful. And so they're just touring the great house together, um, <laughs> enjoying the long dining table. And she's like, we'd use a megaphone to talk to each other. We finally see them exchanging words other than like, you're great. And this is great. And <laughs> that I did appreciate. And then she invites him to her bedchamber. Whew. Which she does acknowledge definitely would have been taboo, but this is her journey. Mm-hmm. This is her life. And she is a modern woman. So get that. Get it. <laughs> get that make out. I love that for Ms. Remy. And they just, they go for it. They get a kiss. And meanwhile, the other dudes are like, I don't think Mr. Hunter is going to get a kiss. They don't think anyone has kissed her yet. And Mr. Bokikio, who made out with her on night one, is just sitting there keeping his own counsel. He's like, I'm not going to tell them. Is, I, I'm not going to lie. He's playing this well. Yeah. He is. Uh, he's got a plan. Uh, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. And things are going well for Mr. Hunter as well. And with that, I mean, these episodes are short. It's time for the farewell dance already. And we don't even see the rest. I don't know if they have a ball in between or if they just get all dressed up Head solely for the farewell dance. It kind of seems like they do. Like, I think that the farewell dance is, in fact, just like a rose ceremony. Yeah, but at a rose ceremony, there is a cocktail party typically beforehand. So... I mean, I understand it would be a lot to hire, like, a hundred extras to do <laughs> traditional <laughs> traditional dances the whole time. But I I do think it it would benefit Ms. Remy to be able to spend more time flirting with these gentlemen at a ball every week, you know, courting. And this is why I guess every reality TV show must be two hours long. Yeah. So. I mean, they don't have to show us. Maybe it happened. You know, I, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, she is wearing lavender, and again, it has a defined waist. And I'm just like, listen, everyone wants to be a Regency heroine until they realize that empire waists do not define their natural waist. And they're like, never mind, bring that waist right down for me. She looks beautiful. And on her dance card this week are Mr. Cones, Captain Kim, Mr. Mumbray, Mr. Lux, and Mr. Kessler. This is the second time for both Mr. Lux and Captain Kim. The men who are safe are on the balcony above being like, I don't think you can survive the dance card twice. They don't They don't know anything. This is Ms. Remy's journey, sirs. Yeah. They also <laughs> quickly learn that being on the dance card does not necessarily mean that you are doing poorly. It could mean that you are a standout. You know, she's dancing with Mr. Cones, who is shocked to find himself on the dance card because he thought things were going so well. And she's like, you know, I just actually, like, wanted to hang out with you more, and that's really why you're here. (laughs) Mr. Cones is one of the few guys who is standing out to me at all. And I just mean in the sense that he is developing a specificity but it's all around food. Like, he, his initial letter to her was like, we're going to eat so much, and then we're going to have Tums. And then we see him at the beginning of this episode being like, man, I just miss Arby's so much. Am I right? It's been like a week since I've had Arby's. 
but they didn't have Arby's in their Regency, so I can't have Arby's right now. I just need my roast beef. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I too like Arby's. It's controversial. As controversial as, controversial as it is, I love Arby's. Wow, I, Claire. Wow, wow, wow. I ha- The people are going to be sh- absolutely shocked. People... It's very divisive within my family. So I often do a a road trip home for Christmas, you know, pre-COVID with my husband and my brother and my sister-in-law. And the Fallons want to break our fast at Arby's halfway through the trip. And the the in-laws do not. And we have resolved this in a number of ways. Sometimes we, my brother and I stop for Arby's and our spouses go to Taco Bell at a different gas station. <laughs> you know, sometimes they suffer through the Arby's and just like make fun of us for the rest of the trip. But, you know, I've, I've felt the sting of people, you know, disdaining me for my taste for Arby's. But I can go six to 12 months without Arby's, without breaking a sweat. And I will say Mr. that Mr. Cones myself. can't go seven days without Arby's apparently he's like the roast beef that they have in the Regency was not processed enough it's not the same whatever chemicals they bathe those Arby's roast beefs in that's what I need um so yeah so Mr. Cones to me is standing out as the guy who just like is obsessed with eating and then taking Tums but he also has this solid connection with Ms. Remy and He's shocked when he's on the dance card, and then she's like, yeah, I just want to spend time with you. And that's continuing to to really blossom. Good for Mr. Cones. Mr. Mumbre also remains safe. She's just like, you got to put in a little more effort. And he's like, noted. <laughs> and then we come to Captain Kim, who is just certain he's being sent home. Because again, this is his second time on the dance card. And he ultimately is safe. Yeah. For the second week in a row. Yeah. She's like, I wanted to see more effort out of you and you didn't talk to me this week. And he's like, oh, but I was making an effort by talking to your parents. Is that not what you wanted um, for your parents to get to know me first? And she's like, no, that's great. Thank you for getting to know my parents. Now just like maybe turn your attention to me this week. Thank you for your time. See you later. <laughs> And this means that Mr. Lux and Mr. Kessler are ultimately sent home. And Mr. Lux does not even stop to honor her family with a thank you and a goodbye as he exits to head back into the modern world. Listen, this guy clearly was not prepared for the Regency way of courting if he could not (laughs) stop to kiss the hands of her family before leaving. And... So we're down two guys heading into next week. Mr. Lux, it seemed, could have been a contender because it's clear that she was attracted to him. But she specifically asked him to make an effort. And then she was like, he's still just, like, playing it way too cool. And, like, did I come all this way to dress in sort of Regency-ish slash prom slash red carpet attire for a guy to play it cool with me? I absolutely did not. And I think that that was a really... A really wise choice. She's got to be thinking about herself. She's got to stick to her guns. Next week, we see they'll be playing cricket. And Mr. Safa takes his hinted at villain turn. I'm really excited for the court to get more involved via this plot where he apparently goes after the the friend, Tessa. 
it's shitty that it happens uh, for Ms. Remy. But so far, the court has mostly just been there to sort of be in the background and occasionally whisper, like, I really like him. Or, like, he seems really he nice. Seems nice. Or, like, I think she likes him. I'd be surprised if he went home. Like, I really <laughs> like him, though. And, like, I don't need this color commentary. You know, I need drama. I need them to start getting a little bit more involved, mixing it up. Or I need them to offer more more uh, revealing nuggets in their color commentary going forward. So hopefully we'll see that uh, during week three. I'm I'm excited. Me too. Claire, this has really been um, a wonderful conversation about impropriety and empire wastes. I'm always down to talk about empire wastes. Um, with you especially. Thank you, Emma. Uh, and I think that brings us to the end. That's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Habib and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to any of your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at claireandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, thoughts, and voice memos. You can also find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at claireandemmapod. And you can find our newsletter on Substack at claireandemma.substack.com. We will be releasing a subscribers-only podcast soon about Bridgerton. So if you like our commentary on the courtship, check out our newsletter. You can also find us individually on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with more courtship and more gossip. Stitcher. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.